You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode 103. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today I have the pleasure of being in BEST at the office of BEST Wool Carpets together with Eva Monash. And yeah, it's always special to do an interview in person. So thank you, Eva, for inviting me over. You're welcome. And maybe just start our com let's start our conversation by you introducing yourself and tell us what you do in the wool industry. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you for uh, coming out uh, to see us. Um, I'm the owner and the MD of, uh, of Best Wool Carpets. Um, and well, we make um, carpets and rugs out of 100% wool, um, which allows me to do anything needed to basically to promote wool uh, in carpets, but also in other products um, where wool can be used uh, for. So um, wherever I, I can, I talk about wool, I explain about wool, uh, because so many people don't know the fiber anymore. Yeah. So you're like an ambassador for, for wool. <laughs> well, hopefully. Yeah, no, I certainly try to. Um, um, because it's, it's such a beautiful material and fiber. Uh, and we've in the, in the past, we've al always talked about the technical aspects of it. Um, but we shouldn't. You know, it's just, you know, just if you just feel it, it's already mm -hmm. enough um, to uh, embrace it. Well, because you have wool, even in your company name, Best Wool Carpets, Introduce your company a little bit to us. Yes, of course. What carpets about? So the uh, uh, we were founded in 1982. Uh, at that time, it was the uh, head of uh, development and production of, uh, of Deso carpets in Belgium that wanted to start for himself. So he started here, uh, and he mainly started to work for other manufacturers. And he did everything. So it didn't matter if it was wool or blends or uh, synthetic. Um, but then uh, um, when I joined in in 98. Um, we saw that the markets were changing, so we had to make a, a choice like being either a volume manufacturer or a specialist, a niche uh, player. We chose the last one um, to uh, specialize in wool, also because we have the, the craftsmanship and the knowledge here to, do, to deal with, the, with this beautiful fiber. And um, um, I bought the company uh, in end of 2000, and then at that time it was still called Uh, carpet factory best or in Dutch the mm -hmm. Pest. best um, then we changed it first to best carpets and then a year later I thought hmm it's stupid because best wool carpets is really covering what we're doing here um, so I think it was end of 2001 that we changed it to best wool carpets um, and since then we've used that name and at the moment we're changing slowly to more to best wool because uh, best wool carp is quite a long name and best wool is so much easier to uh, pronounce so we changed more to best wool um, uh, also uh, with regards to our rug program that we uh, that we do okay and for our listeners who cannot really see your products right now can you describe your products a little bit describe yeah of course yeah um, so we make uh, mainly we make broadloom so that means uh, four meter wide or five meter wide Uh, wooden uh, carpet, so that can be in solid colors, it can be in multicolors, um, very luxury, um, coarse looks uh, with big knots, uh, as they would say, or very nice and fine. 
Um, we also sometimes do a 366 for speci special installations. Um, so everything is done on four or five meter wide or 366, and then we custom uh, we make custom rugs out of them. Um, so yeah, to set up a machine to make uh, a product takes time, and people always forget that when it comes down to manufacturing, that uh, time and um, attention of people those are the, the the crucial elements in making a nice product so yeah it, it takes about an hour or two hours just to set up a machine and then we can run for two hours to make a few rolls of, of carpet and then we change over again to uh, to another product uh, just to be as flexible as possible where if you look at the uh, the current trend in synthetic uh, carpets people set up maybe in three hours but then they run for 24 hours the mm -hmm. same product uh, that's not what we try to do. We really, really try to make as many different styles as possible that yeah, suit or cater to the needs of our customers. So um, most of our products go to um, England, America, Australia, Canada and Germany. Um, Holland, of course, is an important market, but it's a small part of what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, so we really need to also cater to the needs of all these different um, um, types of customers because in England they like a different style than in America uh, and in Germany again different styles compared to uh, Australia so um, yeah we uh, historically we've always worked for um, for brand manufacturers so partners uh, like in the UK Brinton's or in uh, Holland Dessau or Tredford we've always worked with them together uh, we've made the products that they could distribute as wool products. Since uh, 10 years, we, may, we work more closer also with uh, distributors because uh, the distributors have become stronger um, in, in, in our market. And since five years, we work very close with retailers, uh, especially also in Germany, uh, but also in other European countries uh, to get as close as possible to the consumer to understand what they want. Um, uh, and to uh, to develop the right products. So at the moment, we, for instance, in in a, in a country like France, we work with co-branding. So we work together with a local distributor that has ten people visiting retail stores, and then it's our brand and their brand together mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that everybody can see where it comes from. Uh, it's very transparent. Um, uh, at the same time, yeah, you need to visit your customer yeah and where would we typically find your carpets are they ending up in people's houses or are they ending up in offices or hotels most of what we do uh, probably will end up in houses mm -hmm. then secondly we do quite a bit of hotels so mainly the, the bedrooms um, offices uh, people don't really use wool carpet at this stage in offices anymore uh, mostly because they use tile and it has to be so flat for caster chairs that um, yeah, the, the, the beauty of wool is that you create something with uh, a bit of, um, uh, how you call it? Um, texture. Texture, mm -hmm. indeed. Uh, and that it also feels luxury. So when it's flat, it doesn't really feel luxury. But that's what they want in offices. So that's something that we stay away from for the moment. Um, but mainly in, in, in private houses uh, where you find also the rugs, um, and um, we also do some cruise liners, 
So um, the, um, the the the, um, the bedrooms in in cruise liners, like in hotels, mm-hmm. um, which is then IMO certified, as they call it. So it's special uh, treatment to make sure that uh, it passes all the requirements for uh, maritime mm-hmm. installations, uh, which is always a lot of work, uh, but it's nice. Uh, so we work together there with uh, designers, interior decorators that specifically do um, either the hotels or the cruise liners, and they really come here. They come here to to design their own style mm-hmm. or uh, create a different color combination that uh, uh, on products that they've used before. Um, looking at the uh, at the retail, so at the consumers, um, at the moment most of the product goes first to a retailer and then to the consumer. So it's 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 quite difficult to reach out to direct to consumers, which is basically a pity because uh, mm-hmm. with with uh, such a nice product and with wool, we would like to reach out to uh, consumers. So that's why uh, we will be launching a new collection uh, early next year, late late this year, early next year for best wool rugs. So there will be a specific collection for rugs only, where we will also try to communicate direct with consumers. Um, to also understand more their needs for wool product in their houses. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about the uh, the the history of the co- uh, yeah. of the company, I think which which is very very important. Eh? When when we started, uh, we were b- focusing very much on the production, uh, and still. So the main technical person, uh, Frank Conrad, our technical director, I think joined in 1983 and is still here uh, and is still the the uh, uh, the driving source for product development and um, a creativity. So when I joined it, uh, when I joined the company, this is probably was was one of the reasons. We wanted, yeah, I think it was my main reason to really join. When I saw young people, uh, Frank at the time was very young, <laughs> uh, in being so really evolved into manufacturing, into manufacturing with a natural material. Uh, that's what, what really excited me. Um, I came from a complete different industry. I was uh, uh, previously uh, restoring and selling pianos and grand pianos uh, in Amsterdam. And uh, um, mainly the restoration, so the restoring bit of, of very old instruments, like instruments from 1890, and restoring them to be completely new again. That was really excited me. So the, the production side of our business is really something that I treasure, which I like. It gives a lot of headaches. I think everybody, you know, in manufacturing can can, can talk about that. It does give a lot of headaches, but it's nice. So if I also look to my friends from university, even they know that, oh yeah, yeah, no, I've got a friend who has a carpet factory. When they, Only when they visit, that's when they start to understand, you're actually making something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the production side of, of our business is, exciting as i said it sometimes gives headaches but it also gives us the opportunity to reach out to designers and to creative people to really do something what they like themselves Uh, because it's not just designing and then sending it to china and then see what you get back now it's designing together Uh, sometimes we can't do certain things but when we can we will do them and we do them here so the reason for me to be um in this industry is for a main part, you know, the production and also that the people that work here make the difference. Um, mm. I remember one of our 
UK partners always said, well, you know, it's it's very simple in every every business. It's first about people, then it's about product, then it's about processes, and if you have them all three right, profit will automatically come. Um, and the fact that people come first, that's what really excites me. Mm -hmm. And today I had the honor that you took me through your yeah through the whole company, and I had to admit that it was the first time that I actually saw how carpets are made. But could you explain the process of how a carpet is created here at Best Blue Carpets for our listeners who didn't have the chance today to come on our tour? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it all starts with the spinning of a, sp a new yarn. And um, um, the spinning industry has, uh, has had difficult times. I, s I still think they have difficult times because so much is changing over from spinning uh, natural material wool to uh, BCF extrusion. Um, so the spinners that we work with are very important to us and we really um, try to build our relationship with them and try to build the business. So you start with spinning a different yarn uh, that doesn't exist. And once we have a yarn, um, yeah, we, we, we put it on the machines and then for people just to understand for a, a nice product, you have about uh, a thousand uh, different uh, cones of yarn that you have to put in front of a machine before you can start to do anything. Then you have to uh, make small knots or glue them so that um, they can go towards the machine. So it's a very, still it's a very manual process. Uh, and then when you start to set the machine, you can start to run it. Basically what we do is we sew on four meter wide or five meter wide. So it's a quite a simple process um, where the yarns are pushed through a, uh, a primary um, a material uh, and you just uh, make a sort of yeah you you braid or you sew a carpet um, it's called tufting which is an American invention um, in the old days we only had weaving and I think it was the late 60s early 70s that they invented the tufting which is uh, yeah probably 95% of the um, business these days in carpets um, we have um, we have eight machines at the moment here with all different possibilities and, and, and capabilities. And those different uh, capabilities gives us the opportunity to make all different different styles. So we have an archive here with over 10,000 products, uh, which we, if we want to, until today, we can still make. Um, and that's the, th that's the advantage of being a small business and also a specialized business. We can do all those trials without running um, out of um, time on the machinery. So it's um, the interesting thing of, of making carpet is that uh, people look at the product and think, hmm, fine, it's there, but they don't understand that it takes a lot of time to prepare it. Um, the good thing is that when it comes down to tufting, the component of, um, of hours that people spend on it is acceptable compared to weaving. So the tufting has not moved to the Far East. Um, so lots of people also think when they buy carpet that everything, because it's a textile, comes from the Far East, but mm -hmm. it isn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, Holland and Belgium are still the biggest manufacturers of um, carpet behind the USA. Uh, and because it's, yeah, the, uh, the weight component is small it stays here 
also because the transportation component is big. So yeah. a roll of carpet yeah, is Yeah, I saw how, how big a five-meter-long <laughs> yeah. carpet uh, can be. Uh, so it's, it's difficult mm. to transport it. So you can't basically do that by air. Sometimes they do it uh, for a, a very, very important um, installation. Uh, so it goes on containers, which is which is okay. So the the footprint of the containers with carbon is very low compared to if you would just change other things. Mm -hmm. So it's and it's so it's very good for us to stay close to our markets, uh, basically the UK and Germany, uh, so that the transportation um, costs are acceptable, and also the sustainability levels you know to be here in Europe makes the products much safer than if you would make it in China where you don't know what people put in there. Mm. And before I ask you uh, more questions about this region and carpet making, um, how many meters do you actually produce? Um, like for example on a day or? Yeah, no, in a, a, a year on year we make between 1.4, 1.5 million square meters, which is then all 100% wool. Uh, maybe 3% uh, is still blend, but everything is, uh, is wool um, and yeah on on the eight machines that we have we also could make probably 10 million square meters um, if we would run it uh, 24 7 and on synthetics uh, bigger creels we could run that much on the machinery mm -hmm. but we really really chose to be a specialized a, spe a specialist mm -hmm. on uh, wool wool only and it needs the attention um, I think I showed you in the in the factory as well that you know, we have at sing every single machine, we've got one person uh, in the front of it just to check if all the yarns are going through uh, the right way. And on the back, we check every single meter on quality. Um, the person in the front is basically needed because all the uh, modern equipment with lasers and light uh, windows is available, but not for wool. Because as soon as there are a little bit, a bit of fiber f uh, runs through the, uh, the laser system, the machine shuts down and we have a bigger problem so it, it's very very so we have two people basically on one machine where most people in synthetics will have probably one person on three machines mm -hmm. so there you see you know the difference uh, mm -hmm. in how to approach it so we always say what we do is 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 very much still craftsmanship um, our um, all our workers are really trained here on the job uh, with a lot of time there is also still a training course in uh, in Holland that we uh, set up together with our um, colleagues. But every time we send somebody from our factory to these kind of training um, sessions, they always get the highest grades. So at the same moment, we said, well, you know, it's good that they go there to meet other people. Um, but if they don't really learn that much more than what they have learned here, then it's also a bit of a pity. So we do it mainly for them, not that they get much better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, to be honest, until today that I actually drove to the city of Best, I always thought your name was a clever marketing chosen name, but it's actually a real town. Was it deliberately chosen as the location or was that just coincidence that the Dutch city Best also means? It was coincidence. Best. Okay. So the, uh, <laughs> so the, the founder of the, co uh, the, the, the company had very good relationships with three different manufacturers. Uh, one was Osfloor, which is in Os, and one was then uh, Forbo, which was in uh, Horle in Tilburg, and one was Nelka, which was in Lendeleid in Belgium. 
and he just made a circle and looked in the middle like what's in the middle and it was best okay <laughs> uh, so it was pure coincidence where he could start so he moved out from belgium where he lived and start and lived here in best um but it, of course yeah it, it's been a it's wonderful for us to to use it quite often you know when people have not been to us or they have not really looked at uh, the business card to see that we are placed in best they find us a bit arrogant yeah um, <laughs> and then i would say well you know, we're not uh but we're lucky to be uh, to be here mm -hmm. And Best is uh, just north of Eindhoven, which is at the moment um, one of the most um, um, fastest growing and uh, most intelligent, technical intelligent areas in, uh, in, in Europe, uh, where we have a lot of high tech uh, industry. And even though people don't understand it, I think it's the same like uh, weaving, uh, it's much more high tech than most people think. Yeah? When they think about textiles or wool, they always think a bit like you know historical um, uh, dust, uh, not that, but it is very very high tech. If you look at the machinery, it's very very high tech. If you look at all the processes that we follow with regard to distribution, uh, we've got all our um, everything that we have. We have uh, RFID chips in in all the rolls, mm -hmm. so that we know exactly what happens, what goes in goes out. So it's much more high tech than uh, than people think. Um, which once they they start to work here we find as well because most uh, employees stay quite a long time we have uh, low um, turnover mm -hmm. yeah which is which is very pleasant as i said you know it's all about people <laughs> so if we have good people we really really uh, make sure that we keep them yeah and nowadays it's so difficult to find the right skilled people so it's indeed, more indeed. important yeah mm -hmm. so the job needs to be exciting for uh, for lots of people uh, the the culture of the company needs to be a bit different. Um, so, of course, from, for, for me being not second generation, but just basically uh, having done a mentioned buyout, I understand that culture is an incredible important um, part of running uh, the business. Um, so we've started uh, four years ago with a um, HRM lady that has worked for us first as a, a bit of independent uh, uh, advisor. Mm -hmm. Now we have uh, um, somebody intern here, um, which is very very important because it helps. Yeah, I think it helps not only the company but also the employees to understand better where we're going, and then the communication between you know uh, the management and the people on the work uh, uh, floor. It's incredibly important. Mm. So normally, of course, when I walk, yeah, when I get in, I always first make a round through the factory and see everybody and see if everything is okay. Um, that's a part of the culture, which I think most people um, appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that means that you have to be there really early, <laughs> uh, but that's part of the job. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've talked now a few times, or you mentioned about this region and especially like the Netherlands and, and Belgium being kind of a hub of carpet. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, also the history of this region in relation to the carpet industry? Yes, of course. Yeah, no, I think the um, uh, we've had two big textile areas in Holland, which was Tilburg <coughs> and um, and and Enschede in the Easter part. So we are very close to to Tilburg, um, and um, in the past uh, we had the uh, companies like Forbo and Fembezau. Were very close to us. We've always worked with them uh, together. They're not there anymore. 
Uh, Van Bazau is still there, but it's not in uh, close by. So in this area, we basically the uh, the only one left in flooring, um, except then for Desso, which is in Waalwijk, but there was always a bit of different uh, position. Um, the good thing is that um, that we have a lot of other textile companies around us as well. So I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that um, we created a sort of group of textile companies uh, from Eindhoven and, and the whole area where we meet four times a year just to share information and to understand what's going on uh, and then within that group we have an even smaller group of uh, five uh, actually this time all men uh, we haven't found a woman yet just to join us um, and that we really really share information because it's basically people that are involved in, in weaving um, uh, curtains or um, making uh, mattress, uh, um, mm -hmm. um, I call it uh, mattress protection. Ma yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, but sharing the information, especially on the textiles and um, uh, the, the specific things that come around with textiles, is incredibly nice. Because uh, in the end, we find out that we always ra uh, run into the same issues. Mm -hmm. um, so also when it comes down to sustainability, we can really learn from each other or help each other. So this area still has quite a bit of um, uh, production-orientated uh, companies. And when they're working in the textiles, we make sure we um, reach out to them and, and learn. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have, I do attend then probably six, seven times a year. Uh, the session but we always learn something from each other or we visit each other's uh, companies and yeah you probably have the same whenever you go somewhere you always see something that you did not expect yeah you get some new inspiration yes and uh, and i think that's that's very important so but this area for the carpet area uh, carpet uh, um, has been smaller the main uh, two biggest companies now either are deso and interface together than with Condor and BTAP in Genemuiden, which is a very, very special hub, uh, a bit the same like Dalton in America, where the carpet people all together. Mm -hmm. um, so there are still four, four very big companies in Holland, and there are also um, basically five or six big ones in Belgium. Uh, and that's traditionally um, because of the, uh, the textile center in, uh, in this part of, uh, of Europe. And is it is it also that there was access by sea and that the raw materials could easily arrive here and then be manufactured? Is there like a look geographic and historic reason for? Probably, probably. Well, the main thing is in Genemuiden they started it because they were weaving mats from um, yeah, reed or how you call mm -hmm. it in uh, so from 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 plants. Mm -hmm. That's how it started in those days, and then they moved on to uh, tufting carpet. In Belgium, it was the same. They were weaving, um, um, uh, I call it uh, linen, mm -hmm. because they have a huge uh, linen area in northern France and parts of uh, of, of uh, Flanders, mm -hmm. uh, and, th and that's how it basically started. So okay. they were weaving the raw material. And because of that, uh, the family company started, and then they saw tufting started, and then wool started, and then uh, synthetic started, and that's how basically those companies mm -hmm. have grown. Okay, so there was a lot of knowledge in the textile industry that then yes was and it basically started with the raw material. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
That's interesting. People yeah. always forget that. Eh? And uh, the interesting thing is we have, uh, so like, of course, England has a very, very big, or has had a very big carpet industry. It's not that big anymore. Uh, and they, of course, uh, always work with wool. Well, it's normal because England has so many breeds of, of, of sheep mm-hmm. that have special types of wool that were used to make clothing, um, which is incredible. If you, if you, I mean, even for me, I can't, uh, I mean, th- there's so many different uh, breeds that are really, really um, there for different types of, uh, of, of either jackets or overcoats. Um, and I'm just very, very happy and pleased to see that quite a bit of that uh, industry is coming back to in England. Uh, where they've moved all out to uh, Asia, but uh, they're coming back a bit uh, also because, uh, again, you know, consumers want to know where things come from and that the product is made with, you know, without child labor, uh, without uh, chemicals that mm. can harm uh, the environment. Yeah. Which is, uh, it, um, and that's really encouraging to see. So quite often you see that things go in cycles. Uh, so for instance, you know, the interesting thing also in carpets is that in the uh, the 70s, everybody got a bit sick of the fact that they had rugs in their house, so Persian rugs or so all knotted rugs. Uh, and then in between the rugs and the, the, the walls, there was always a, a lot of collection of dust. So that's when they said, oh, yeah, broadloom, so wall-to-wall carpet, is a solution. So uh, lots of people changed from rugs to broadloom. And what we see now in, this, in the last 10 years, we see a move back. Uh, so people uh, going from broadloom in their home in their uh, living rooms to rugs. Um, still in the bedrooms, lots of people use it, but also there you see more and more use mm. of rugs. And you will see as well one of the reasons that it changed in those days was because of the collection of dust on hard floors. Um, and um, if you see it now again, lots of people are quite, mm, um, yeah, I say, um, are not happy with what they see. So we already had uh, a few customers. Oh well, yeah, I had on you know, my bedroom I had beautiful rugs, but every single day I had to collect dust on the hard floor. So yeah, well that happens with hard floors. So yeah, so I want to go back to wall-to-wall carpets. Well, I think that's very wise because <laughs> yeah. it's proven that um, um, uh, uh, carpet will uh, keep the dust on the on the surface, and once you vacuum it once a week or twice a week, it's gone. So that makes you know the indoor air um, quality of rooms just much better. So it's in, uh, very interesting that you quite often see cycles uh, to come back. Um, so my main thing is, and my my uh, wor- the only worry that I have is once um, a technology is gone. So when it goes from Europe or England, Holland, Germany to the Far East, it's not easy to come back because the investments are so uh, huge. But once it stays here, it has a great future uh, because certain things will come back to the mo- local markets. Um, because if we've been able to survive the past 15 years, I'm sure that we have a great opportunity for the next 15 years. Yeah, oh, excellent. And it's interesting how we forget things. And then as you talked about these cycles, mainly they happen because we forget. We forget. <laughs> yeah, we, to- we totally forget. <laughs> yeah. and, I ho- and I have to say, I wasn't there either. Eh? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, too young at uh, those uh, years to understand what was going on. But if you talk to the um, majority of people still in our industry, which is uh, uh, not the youngst- it's not the youngsters that we uh, normally see, 
Uh, that's what they tell. And think, yeah, of course. Mm. Now we understand. You know, this is the th- this is what happened. Uh, and um, um, yeah, of course, I have the opportunity to uh, choose, you know, some beautiful carpets for our own house. Uh, but every time that we get visitors, uh, they all say, "Wow, that's beautiful!" And it's so it's so nice, and it's yeah, uh, and and the acoustics are, are great. Mm. So you really try. I mean, that's what I try to do. But then you really see when people are not used to see it anymore because they don't know it actually exists. Uh, when they don't see it and they experience it, then they think like, "Wow, I need to do this." So. We have, uh, and then mainly on the wall side, we've mainly set out sort of three uh, rules to explain to consumers, you know, if they if they think about the house, to what it follows. So the first thing is always hard, either soft. So we try to explain, you know, the benefits of, of soft. Then nowadays, of course, you have a discussion between wool and synthetics. And we try to convince pe- to people to understand that you know, it's it's very important these days to have natural product in your house uh, because the house is so far isolated that, that, that there's so many chemicals otherwise in your house that are not healthy for you. And with a natural product, you make sure that you don't have that. And then the third thing, of course, that when we can uh, um, impress them with our product, then we hope that if they chose for a wool product, that they choose our product. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a good explanation to take the consumer through yeah and when we talked earlier about wool types and cheap breeds so what do you actually use to produce your carpet what kind of wools did you do you use well we, we um, it, it's a variation we have uh, for our uh, retail collection we have two collections the, the nature collection and the pure collection the nature collection is basically made with uh, European wools southern European wools and undyed wools, where we mix some um, New Zealand wool with Scandinavian, so some nice grey colours. Um, and then the pure collection is all uh, New Zealand. Uh, and why do we need New Zealand wool? Is basically because it's 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 white, it's very clean, so we can really make nice colours in it, um, which is important if you start to dye on a yellow colour, um, you don't get a bright colour. So what we like about the New Zealand wool is that it's uh, clean. And quite uh, and and very important that it's traceable, so they set up a system uh, that we can basically uh, buy from farm, so we know where our wool comes from when we buy it in New Zealand, uh, and we think well, no, don't we think it's very important because they can uh, uh, they come to us as well to show their animal welfare procedures and so on, which we find important uh, in the European wool. It's the same, so we do uh, use quite a bit of Spanish wool, and we know from our uh, spinner as well where he gets his wool from. Um, and British wool we use as well, so there's always a bit used because it has a very nice coarseness uh, of it. So it gives for carpet, gives a very nice um, sort of yeah luxury feel. Um, the only thing is that you know I've I've asked him to look into traceability. Uh, but the British are always a bit reluctant to uh, to move into that. But I think they are now uh, looking into it much, much more, which would be great because uh, we would love to use a bit more wool uh, from uh, from England, simply because the heritage is there. They know so much more about wool than mm. uh, than anybody else uh, on the continent, uh, and I think that helps um, to uh, to explain it to more consumers. Um, 
for us when we start a development we always choose like okay which route are we going so what we like most is uh, first like in the car industry first you develop the top model so when we make a new development we try to develop first the product with uh, New Zealand wool and then hang dyed uh, so very good looking very nice solid colors uh, that's the first sort of you know the the Audi A8 <laughs> let's put it that way and then we start to say okay we can do it also use some a blend of wool some New Zealand with some European wool we don't necessarily need to do it hang dyed can also be stock dyed mm -hmm. so we then uh, develop the A5 uh, and then um, when it's necessary and when people like it we can also go to 100% European wool which is a bit more competitive it doesn't have the brilliance uh, mm -hmm. compared with New Zealand but it, 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 it performs really, really well. Uh, and then we can develop you know, the A1 or A2 <laughs> with that as well. And it, yeah, I, I use, the, um, use that example not um, to compare us with it, but just to explain how our development model uh, works. Um, because we prefer to offer our customers the best they can get. But at the same time, we also understand that uh, certain things may be a bit too, maybe not cost effective enough. Um, although when a look is really nice, there's more ways to make it. Uh, and our uh, some of our suppliers in Southern Europe are really, really good suppliers, very good um, family businesses. And they make a very nice yarn, although they use different uh, raw materials that makes it a bit more competitive. Um, we are very happy with that because uh, we can cater more people in the world. Uh, and for me, wool is wool. Um, we know, we understand what type of wool to use to make a certain style, but we want to promote wool. And it doesn't matter for me if it's from <laughs> um, um, from New Zealand or from England or from Spain, as long as we just promote this as wool. And by saying that, it doesn't matter. Of course, it does looking at to the product that we make from it, but not from a standpoint how to promote wool and to explain about wool. Um, I think that we've in the past, we've all been talking too much about technical stories about wool. And the main issue that we have as wool is that we have so much to talk about. It's <laughs> such an incredible fiber. It is. It has so many advantages. And the only thing that people nowadays understand is one, one issue stories. So in the US, at the moment, if you look at carpet, they sell carpets uh, as pet protect. Basically, uh, okay, if, you, if, you, if your carpet can be cleaned, even though you have a pet, oh, it must be good. Uh, in England, it's sold as bleach cleanable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you can clean it with bleach, it's good. By the way, you know, I don't want my children to play on a carpet that, uh, <laughs> that holds bleach in it, but that's another story. But that's how the consumer looks at it. And when we then talk about wool, we have so many benefits, um, basically too many. And uh, that's one of the reasons that we've started uh, to talk about the uh, the Ten Commandments of wool, um, which um, where well we can pick out one or two. Mainly, of course, we talk always about the health uh, perspective of wool, which really makes indoor air uh, quality uh, the indoor air quality to rise. Uh, but it, we just want to people to remember that there are at least ten. Because there are 10, but there can also be 20, or it can be 6, or it can be 14. Everybody uses a different number, but it's confusing for the consumer. Mm -hmm. So just by using the 10 commandments of all, 
we try to reach out to consumers that they know that there are so many benefits and then they can look up look it up themselves and if there's anything that really is important to them we can provide them more information on it mm -hmm. and because you rely so much on wool as a raw material are you sometimes worried about the supply of wool? yes of course yeah, yeah. so uh, we do reach out to um, to the farmers so um, uh, I every year at least I'm once in, in New Zealand as well to uh, to reach out to the farmers that we deal with there um, yes it's it's a it's a big issue because if they don't make enough money on the wool there's no benefit for them to harvest the wool. Uh, so we always try to find sort of this balance where it's good for everybody. Um, we're working together with New Zealand Merino as an organization uh, to make sure that we buy wool from their organization uh, and to help the, uh, the farmers to do the right thing for their animals, but also to build a feasible uh, business model. Um, if they don't make anything, then we won't have wool in the near future. Uh, at the same time, we also are involved in, in local uh, activities like uh, trying to uh, develop a new rug with some very special local wool, which is now basically uh, sold off as sort of waste, where we mm -hmm. say, well, if we can make a nice yarn out of it and make a nice product out of it, uh, that makes sense. So. Um, I think there's there's some very positive things still to mention. I think the the current situation where the wool prices for uh, carpet wool has uh, have been low, um, but at the same time there's a certain price point that consumers accept, and if it goes over that, they also find it hard. So prices basically probably need to go up a bit, but at the same time then our marketing needs to improve as well to mm -hmm. explain to our audience and our customers listen this is the reason why you're paying this price for this beautiful product uh, and we haven't been able to do that yet mm -hmm. unfortunately we will be uh, working on that also with our rug um, collection um, because if we are able just to pass on certain benefits to farmers we will certainly do that because we both need each other. Yeah. And I mean, we talked now that it's important to do communications and marketing to, to promote wool, but do you also see other reasons why less and less carpets are being used in, in house houses or also in, you said offices earlier that there's Less well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trend, it's fashion. Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, you know, the, the one of the biggest reasons, I think, is that when you look at houses, the houses have changed. You know, in the past, you walked in through a hallway and then you had a door left or right. We went to the kitchen and then another door going to the living room. So you had separate rooms where it was nice to put you know, carpet in the living room, very handy. But now the living room and the kitchen are just one, it's one room. Also with, of course, the, all the high uh, builds everywhere in the world. Uh, you basically make a studio, so yes, you have a different uh, space for the uh, mm -hmm. sleeping um, areas, but the rest is all one room. And yeah, I, I will never advise anybody to put carpet or wool carpet down in the kitchen. So if the kitchen and the, and the living room is one, you don't put carpet down there. So it's a, it's a very natural, normal way. Um, what we do see is that the rugs that people use then in the um, uh, living room are getting bigger and bigger. 
because of acoustics, because of you know the uh, appreciation of uh, of a material, uh, a softer material, uh, that makes a huge difference. So it, it it's a trend. Um, it's also fashion, has to do with our, the way that we live in our houses these days. Uh, but I would certainly advise every single person to, when when it comes down to their sleeping uh, uh, areas, the bedrooms, just to to really look into carpet. Uh, and especially wool carpet, because you will you will find out that you sleep better. Um, you know, it's uh, th making sure that there's no dust in the air, making sure that there's less uh, noise. Uh, and of course, with uh, with wool carpet, it means that every single um, uh, chemical that's airborne will go away having wool carpet in your uh, your bedroom. And we think that's very important. Uh, most most consumers are not aware that uh, if they buy a bed or they they buy a closet for the for 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 the clothing, that there's so many offumes coming mm -hmm. from that material, uh, which is not good uh, for anybody. Um, and what we try to explain them that you know the good thing of carpets, especially wool carpets, that they hold those uh, VLCs. No? Yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very very important. But it's a long, long, long. I mean, we haven't really done a good job there in the past as an industry. Um, so as an, as a carpet industry, we have not really spoken with one voice, like we yeah, in the wool industry, uh, we have not spoken with one voice, and that's a pity because the consumer just wants to hear one message. Um, so as being you know in this industry for uh, over twenty years, um, I feel. I'm not saying responsible, but I do feel that you know I've been telling this story for quite a while, but I have to step up <laughs> a bit as well and uh, and further promote it and also put the uh, put more effort behind it. Um, but once you talk to do to friends or family and you explain it a bit, so you have a bit of time to explain it, automatically you understand it. Mm. Um, but if you don't have time, you just go and, and of course, yeah, once in what seven years, average, eight years, mm -hmm. people maybe change the house or they move houses, so they get involved in buying flooring, and it's quite often this the last part that they do. It's not the first part. Yeah, the first part is about curtains or uh, the color of the of the the walls or maybe thinking about the couch. <laughs> so it's always a bit the the, the last part, um, and I would urge them to look at it as being at least in the middle, because it's very very important. Um, with regards to how the whole house looks. I think you've seen it as well, that if you look at uh, the magazines and the uh, the TV programs into, in, into rebuilding houses, that you see a lot of hard flooring material. Um, so I think we've missed out a bit on that. Um, that's something that we need to uh, reach out to interior decorators again to make them more aware mm. of what we have to offer. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eva, so much for your time and for uh, being also so honest that and saying that there's still so much to do and that you, as you said, stepping up to, to also communicate more about wool. That's really inspirational. And where can our listeners find out more about Best Wool Carpets? Where should they go? Uh, well, first of all, of course, to our website. Mm -hmm. And then we're working really hard to for Best Wool Academy, uh, where we explain more about the Ten Commandments uh, as well. We also have a Best Wool uh, app, 
uh, which can be downloaded at, uh, through Apple. Um, and yeah, anybody that would like to reach out or that has a question or things like, hmm, I want to know a bit more, they can always either email me or call me direct. Um, the more we can, the more I can do to promote wool, mm -hmm. uh, the happier I will be. Excellent. Well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. And all my best wishes for best wool carpets. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for uh, coming out to, uh, to see us. Excellent. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's interview with Eva Monash. If you want to find out more about Eva and about Best Wool Carpets, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 103. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 103. Thank you for listening today. Talk to you again next week and bye for now. <laughs>